0: So welcome back, church. This is week three of Knowing God's Faithfulness. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm so glad you joined us. And we're going to continue this adventure with Abraham. And just going to go right up to Easter. And we're going to get into Isaac and Jacob. And boy, Jacob's a train wreck. You talk about a train wreck, he is a train wreck. And I think it'll encourage you. Encourage me. I compare to Jacob like I'm a superstar, but that's why you don't compare. So let's talk about God and his faithfulness. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Now, the big difference between me and God is I can have a tendency not to keep my promises. I'll like promise um, I, uh, I promise I'm going to do something, then I don't do it. I promise I'm not going to work late, and then I do. I promise that every, I'm going to take out the trash. Something that happens every week at the same time with the same function, I somehow don't keep my promise. And what happens in my relationships when I fail to keep my promises, confidence starts a erode. Uh, eroding in in all my relationships, you know, with, with my with Tara, my wife, with my kids, with with even folks that hey, I promise I'm going to do this, and I forget or I don't. Man, I am so glad that God is not like that. When God makes a promise, He keeps it. Now, some of you are going, well, well timeout, Scott, because I feel like God's made promises to me, and He hasn't kept them. Well, okay, you might felt like a promise was made by God when it really was made by your crazy head. Just a thought. Or perhaps God goes, no, 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 no. You don't need that. But see, here's what it says in the book of, of 2 Corinthians. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. That's in Jesus. Therefore, through him, that's Jesus, we also say amen to the glory of God. Now, the word amen means to agree. To agree. When a preacher says, can I get an amen? That means you're agreeing with what's saying. And that's, you know, as we As we end a prayer, we say in Jesus' name, amen, that we're agreeing, listen, with God about what we just prayed. Now, hopefully, (laughs) God is agreeing with us, but God's promises are true. Now, God made a promise in the past to others that have a huge impact on us today. One of those is what we're going to look at today in Genesis 15, the promise that God made to Abram. Now, later, he would change his name to Abraham, but right now he's Abram. And so this is chapter 15. This is considered a hinge verse in all of the promises of God because God is laying out to Abram the promise of Jesus, the promise of blessing to the nations. It's a promise that God is keeping that he made in the Garden of Eden when he said, and he will bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel, talking about there's a redeemer coming who's going to finally slay Satan, the serpent, and put him to rest. And that, of course, that's Jesus who comes along. It's not Cain who, uh, when he gave birth to Cain, she thought he was the man and Cain grew up entitled. And well, that did not end well, as you remember. But the, here's his promise in in, in 15. But I want to track through the promises of God called the covenants of God just really quickly. Of course, there's first is the Adamic covenant. When God made the covenant with Adam in the garden, when he putted him out, he made a covenant. Now, listen, this is interesting. Adam and Eve, even though pushed out of the garden did not stop worshiping God. They didn't. In fact, some theologians said they would get back as close to the garden as they could. There they would worship. That's why Cain and Abel knew where to go. Cain and Abel knew what to do. And this lineage that started back with Seth, Cain was pushed further away from the presence of God and really became uh, uh, just debauched and became what was called the daughters of men. And so Seth came back, and and then this lineage down through Noah, then Ham, Shem, and Jepha, and then you find Abraham, who's the eighth-generation grandson of Shem from the ark, that here they are in this covenant. That's the Edemic Covenant. So then you have the covenant with Noah that I'm going to destroy the world with the flood, but I'm not going to do that again. So he did that covenant, covenant with Abraham, which we're talking about today. The covenant with Noah uh, with, excuse me, Moses, I'm going to let my people go. The covenant with David, there's going to be a Messiah who's going to uh, reign on the throne forever and ever and ever. So all of these covenants, the Edemic, the Noatic, the uh, Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic, all of those covenants are leading up to the new covenant, and that's in Christ Jesus. All those covenants are... We're covenants to the new covenant which we live in today. And that's the covenant of Christ. That Christ has come to set us free. That we might have a relationship with God, not based on our merit or our goodness or our rule-keeping or our ritual, but based on a relationship that God has initiated. God not only initiates, he conceives it, and then he brings it to fruition. And then finally he'll bring it to finality in, in heaven. So this is the covenant. All the covenants of God were leading to Christ Jesus. Now, in 15, here in Genesis 15, it's really a reflection back on chapter 12, when God first approaches Abraham, and God's word said, and Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. Faith in God has always been, belief in God has always been the pathway to salvation. Never ritual, never religion, never being good enough, always the relationships. Now, we could look at this passage from a deep theological sense, and I really don't wanna do that. I wanna look at it from a deep relational sense where you can see the man Abram talking to God himself and seeing God build his life, that he might honor him all his life and live all for God, literally because God and Jesus are the same. Uh, There's one true God, live all for Jesus. So I wanna pray and we'll jump into the text. Father, thank you for what you're gonna say to us today and I pray you'll speak through me. That'll be my, not my words, but yours not my thoughts, but yours, not my encouragement, but yours. And in all of this, let us find your faithfulness. And in finding your faithfulness, find hope to live in a very broken world. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. So there's there's several things I want you to see. Here's the first thing I want you to take hold on. And this is Genesis chapter 15. God promises to protect Abraham. Now, when I started, or Abram, when I started dealing with this, I had to look at what was going on in the context of Abraham's Abraham's life. He just had an encounter with the kings of Israel, and uh, oh, not the kings of Israel, but the kings in Cana, and he had won a battle with them. He had freed his nephew Lot. He had given the uh, the offering to Melchizedek, who literally Melchizedek was his eighth generation grandfather, known as Sham. So when he gave his offering to Melchizedek, he didn't give it out of obligation. He gave it out of love. So therefore, when we give to God, it should never be out of obligation. should always be out of love. Abraham gave to Papa a gift of the tenth of the offering. Not because he had to, because he wanted to, because he loved his Papa Sham. Now, you could go back and listen to the group material from last week and get a, a better understanding of that. It's just an amazing account and something that I've discovered. So what was the events that was leading? After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. So what Abraham or Abram was worried about, okay, I've defeated these kings. What if they decided to bring retribution against me? Now in the ancient world, and even still today, retribution is a big deal. Like, if somebody harms me, I'm going to harm the back sevenfold worse than they harm me. That's why you see in the in the Middle East this kind of violent retribution against things that are held long, long ago. Some of them, as old as 4,000 years ago, some people are trying to repay other people for. So this is the whole thing. And God's saying to Abram, I got you. Don't be afraid of these kings because I've got you. Now, we can fall into the same trap. We can become fearful of retribution, are fearful of attacks, are fearful of things not seen. So the a conversation recently with a pastor friend of mine, and we need to get a vehicle down to Central America. And I said, well, let's just drive one down. There's a road that goes all the way down there. He freaked out. He said, there's no way. I'm scared to death. I'm not scared to drive down there. Now, I'm probably stupid. But the thing is that if God is for us, who could be against us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? But listen, y'all, I really don't fear physical harm. What I fear is criticism and attack and attacks against my character. What I should really understand that my character is flawed anyway, but I want God to protect me. And God says, I am your shield. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Recently, I made a sojourn to the desert. And I spent some time in the desert. Um, and you said, where in the desert you go? It was the desert of Arizona. And I went there to hear from God. And I went there in particular because I just need to say, okay, God, whose voice am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to your voice? I'm going to listen to the voice of culture around me or the critics around me or whatever. Am I going to listen to your voice? And I came away from that going, It's the voice of God. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? So as I talk, as I teach through this, I'm really not doing this to say, I'm not just preaching now and telling the truth, okay? A little side joke, but that's the truth because it resonates in my life. Abraham was pensive just like I am, just like you are. Worried just like I am, just like you are. And God said, I'm going to keep my promises. Now think about this logically. If God said to Abraham, you're going to be a father of a great multitude, and then the Canaanite kings were going to kill him, that ruins the promise. When God makes a longevity promise, he's going to keep it. And he keeps it with Abraham. You see, Abraham reminds God of a situation. Now this is kind of cool. Let me read this. But Abraham said, O O Lord, what can I? What can you give me since I am childless and the heir of, of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abraham continued, Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now, he's going back to chapter 12 where God made the promise that you're going to be a father of a great nation. He's getting older. He's 75 now. Sarah is about 64 now. So she's kind of past childbearing age. Now, all of this is kind of going down now with Abraham. So then he reminds, Abraham, uh, reminds God of what his promise was. And I think that's really funny. Now, let me kind of push on this a little second. But there's more than that. Abraham didn't really have a clear understanding of the afterlife. Abraham thought that he would live forever through his offspring that if he died, and this is what the ancient world believed, that if he died without an offspring, he would just be obliterated, go into annihilation. But that's not true. God was even showing them the truth of eternality. Now, why, if Abraham was going to carry on his longevity or his eternality through his offspring, why later would Jesus say that the poor man was in, Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham? You see, God knew about the afterlife before Abraham fully understood it. But Abraham, from his limited perspective, was going, I don't have an offspring, therefore I'm going to be obliterated when I die. And all of us want to live forever. All of us do. God has put eternity in the heart of man, it says in Ecclesiastes. So Abraham's talking to God out of a theological ignorance. Okay, man, I do that all the time. Now, I love this. Now, i want to chase this rabbit for just a second. I think I may go deeper in a little bit. Because Abraham believed God and believed his promises, even though he didn't fully understand theologically, his reminding himself of God's promises and then reminding God of his promises was actually healthy. And I'll go deeper in that in a second. Okay, so is it okay for us to remind God? Yeah. It's really okay for us to remind God. Because let me tell you what it does. When you remind God, God, you made this promise to me. This is what it does. God doesn't need your reminder, but you need it. And you need to make that, you need to remind God, say, God, you promised me this. You promised me this. And and I believe I believe it's true. And uh, so I'm just going to remind you of it. And God said, you know what? I love you reminding me of it. I haven't forgotten and I'm working it out. You need to trust me. So there's some promises God made To me. One of the promises out of Job, he said, I'm going to use you greater in the second half of your life than I did in the first half of your life. And I thought about that. Okay, what keeps God from using me is me. I'm the problem. So when I have greater faith and greater belief in God's promises, God's promises, then I can, I can live in confidence. And I remind God, I say, Hey, God, you know, you said you're going to use me greater, so I'm believing you. I'm going to remind you that because can you, can, you, can you work that out? And He does. God also promised, Then when Terry and I lost everything, He promised, I'm going to restore you and more. And He has. And I remind Him. And oftentimes I look at our bank account and I go, God, how in the world did you do this? Because we had nothing, zip doo da I was so poor, I couldn't pay attention. Zippity-doo-dah. But God, but God kept his promise. And I had to remind him of it, especially when I had zippity-doo-dah. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so it's okay. When we ask God, often God reveals his promises through the hindsight of obedience. Oh, you see, when I trust God and I obey him, I reveal to God how much I love him. Not how much he loves me, because he loves me with a love that will not let me go. How much I love him because I'm obeying his commandments. Then I look back and I say, wow, God has been so faithful. And the faithfulness of God in the past is the fuel for trusting God's promise in the presence and the hope for leaning on his promises in the future. do will change your life. And that's what Abraham was experiencing. God does such things in such a way that only he gets the glory. Huh. That God restates his promise to Abraham. I love this. Abraham reminds me, I don't have an heir. And God says, okay, pump the brakes, Bubba. Listen to what God says. Now the word of the Lord came to him, Abram, this one will not be your heir. That's Eleazar of Damascus. Instead, the one who comes from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them, he said to them, your offspring will be that numerous. I love the fact that God is patient with Abraham, or Abram at this time, and he is so patient with us. He's long-suffering. He's patient with us. It's not a sin to be impatient. And God uses our natural bent of impatience to create a deeper longing for him. Huh. Uh, strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. We will bound up with wings like eagles because God wants us to depend on him. Throughout scripture, God reminds us of his commitments to us and to you. They're full of his promises to you. And I know one day when it comes time for me to go to die, that Jesus himself is going to come take me home because he promised that. And I will live forever with him. What that looks like, I don't know. If I go and come back. Well, if I go, I ain't coming back. Okay, just saying. Here's the fourth thing. Abram responded in faith. And so must we. Abram believed the Lord and it credited to him as righteousness. Some people say this right here, verse 6 of chapter 15 of Genesis, was Abraham's conversion experience. This is when he said yes to Jesus. You see, all of us have to have a conversion experience. You don't osmosis your way into a relationship with Christ. You don't earn your way into it. You don't attend your way into it. You decide it and you declare it. And Abraham believed. Faith is the pathway to righteousness. Believing God is more than intellectually knowing about him or understanding him, but placing your whole life in his hands. Abram believed God. Listen to this. What then shall we say about Abram? Our forefather, according to the flesh, was found. If Abram was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abram believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. That's Paul writing to the church in Rome in uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. For you are saved by grace through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. Wow. God wants you to trust him. He wants you to fully embrace desiring, loving him so I could trust him, so he can hold me, so my life could be measured by him. Um, I'm sitting on a stool and I say I can have that faith in the stool that is going to hold me up. But here's the deal, okay? Do I love the stool? Do I love it? Do I embrace it? Do I come in and say, oh, what a marvelous stool you are, and I just just adore you, the stool? No, I just sit on it. God wants me to do more than just trust him for support. He wants us to love him and embrace him and to worship him and to live all for him. It's different from trusting a stool to hold you up to trusting a God to give you life. And that's the bottom line here with Abram. He trusted God. God wants me to have that faith relationship with him when everything is about him. That I was born from God's love so that I might love God and he might show his love through me. Wow. Here's the last thing God affirms his commitment when the sun had set and it was dark a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals okay let me give you a little background god says okay abram i want to make i want to give you a sign of an ancient covenant i want you to cut these animals in half and i want you to lay them out and then in the ancient days when two people would make a covenant they would cut animals and bloody mess and they would walk between them together and both of them would get blood on them and this is what they would say if you fail to keep your promises i'm going to bloody you up That's what they were saying you have you'll be like these half Carcasses. So God does that with Abram. Now listen what happens. When the sun set and it was dark, smoking fire pot, and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great river Euphrates to the Great to the Great River, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, the Kesanites, the Kemanites, the Hittites, the Perezites, the Raphium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gerizites, and the Jebusites. Boy, that's a lot of sites, wasn't it? And that's Genesis 15, 17 through 21. Now notice this. This account of Abraham cutting up the animals, Abram didn't pass through the carcasses. God did. This is a one-sided covenant. Now through the generations, Abraham's clan tried to really mess that up, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And as, as history unfolded and Israel lost the land and for years and years and years, Israel did not have a home. But then World War II, oh, excuse me, World War I happened and Palestine came into being. And then 1948, the Jewish people reclaimed the Holy Land. God keeps his promises. But listen, it's not about the Jewish people. It's about Jesus. It's not about the Holy Land. It's about the Holy One who made the land holy and that's King Jesus. And the church today is the bride of Christ because of relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I think this is amazing. The promise to Abraham was practical for Abraham, theological to us, but practical to us as well. God comes through. 25 years later, Sarah's holding a baby. Some say God's slow to keep his promises, but he's not. In the fullness of time, God does what God does. God had to prepare Abraham and Sarah. And now you can look back through time and see how God worked, and that's true. God kept his promise to Abraham, and he's keeping his promises to you. I can look back in time and see, you know what? Sometimes I wasn't faithful, but God was always faithful. God was always faithful, and sometimes I wasn't. I can, I can look at that, and I can see his hand leading me. So here's the thing I want you to take away Abram believed God, and it credited him as righteous. Have you done that as well? Have you believed God? Not believed about him, not attended things for him, but really trusted him as Savior and Lord? If you haven't, then today's your day. You could pray and receive him and accept the promises of God that are yes in Christ Jesus. The promises of hope, of peace, of power, of provision, of people, and the promise of heaven. That could be yours today. Just like Abram, believe God counted to you as righteous let me help you that with with a prayer so father thank you for what you said to us in your word today and father i sense that as some are listening today they need to trust you as savior and i'll pray that they'll pray this simple prayer jesus i'm yours i give my life to you forgive my sins be my savior and i'm going to live for you and live in your promises and i pray this in your name amen now look at me if you just prayed that prayer take your next step Next step of a baptism. You say, well, Scott, I'm watching your video. How in the world can you baptize? Well, we'll figure that out. Just raise your hand and say, hey, I prayed that. I want to take my next step. Take the next step of watching our next steps classes online. Connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. Become a part of this family. We have people who watch from other states who are part of this church family because we are a church without walls because we're the body of Christ. Take your next step. Serve God by serving others. I did something. I got off the plane in Atlanta, and I saw a guy standing by the elevator. He pushed the button. He said, hey, come on, take a ride. Of course, I jumped on the elevator, and it was a guy looking for money. I thought, oh, great. But you know what? I gave him some money because God asked me to do that, and I don't judge him, but I got to do something that I normally wouldn't do because God put that in front of me. Take your next step. Serve God by serving others. Be smart. Don't get on the elevator with some sketchy dude like I just did. But be smart. Take your next steps and live all for Jesus. I love you guys. I hope this helps. Look forward to more content coming to you because God wants to use us greatly for His glory. God bless you. Thanks for joining today.